as you see this morning, we're not in Luke. I was doing some uh, studies for the last few weeks while Pastor Dan was carrying our time of preaching. I was doing some study time in the Minor Prophets, and I was looking into the Minor Prophets, um, and I was surprised at what I really didn't know. Um, It was an important time for me to get into the Minor Prophets, and kind of one of those sections of Scripture, at least for me, that largely goes neglected, um, maybe the last time really looked at them in depth besides some classes here at Redeemer a time or two is seminary, and uh, I'm surprisingly getting old. Uh, it was a while ago in seminary, uh, at least as far as comprehension and short-term memory are concerned regarding what was required of me in the Minor Prophets. So I was spending some time in the Prophets, and... Um, there are many providential things in my, partic- in my life particularly, and I'm sure as fellow human beings, uh, seasons and cycles that take place in all of our lives where there are, are certain times of dryness, certain times of discouragement, certain times of um, indifference, uh, and we need the Word of God to refresh, to pour forth a cool glass of water to provide food and nourishment for our souls. And this was a particular time for me where I was able to study and look into the Minor Prophets. So I spent some time reading through Habakkuk on Monday morning. So when I was in Habakkuk Monday morning, I finished in chapter 3, as you see there, and I was greatly refreshed and encouraged, not only by Habakkuk, but by many factors in my life of just being encouraged in the work of the Lord And I immediately thought, I want to just share with Redeemer family how I was myself refreshed and nourished in Habakkuk. So I wanted to go away from it this morning. I was reminded very importantly during my reading and study of Habakkuk of Romans 15, 4. This is Paul speaking to the church at Rome, to you and I this morning. For whatever was written in former days... Right? So now you're going in your mind into the former days. Paul, making his point here for our nourishment. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. That's a tremendous word of encouragement to get into the Old Testament text to once again be refreshed and nourished upon such places as Habakkuk 3. If I could, just by uh, way of introduction, bring you up to speed on Habakkuk maybe a little bit. Again, uh, I I feel like I'm really, really loud maybe right now. I'm hearing it back in my ears. Um, If I look at Habakkuk chapter 1, just briefly, to give you the context of the Minor Prophets, Habakkuk opens up. If you were there in chapter 1, he opens up with his complaint before God. His complaint to God at this point in redemptive history, his service to the people of God, is a word of how there's rebellion and wickedness running like wild in Judah. So if you're there in chapter 1, I won't read the passage just for a scope and kind of bring you up to speed to where we get to chapter 3 and what's taking place with him in chapter 3. 
So his, he opens up with a complaint because he's looking in Judah and he's finding rebellion and open wickedness and sin among the people of God running amok. He despises, his response is one of despising the godlessness which is on clear display, open rebellion among the people of God. The book then progresses, as you see, across chapter 1 and into chapter 2. And this is also significant by the time we get to chapter 3. is where I'm trying to land, as has been read for you. But God responds to Habakkuk's complaint. How can you let such wickedness prevail? God then responds to Habakkuk's complaint by telling them that he is going to rise up a nation such as the Chaldeans, that is, ancient Babylon. He is going to raise up a even worse peoples doing even worse deeds to punish his people for their sin. He is going to raise up this growing powerhouse, the Babylons, the Babylonians. He is going to raise them up and he is going to bring them over to crush Judah. Contextually, if I could give you some insight into this, is now Habakkuk is sitting after complaint and he is hearing this data come at him that what's going to happen, Habakkuk, is I'm going to raise the Babylonians, they're going to come over the Chaldeans, and they're going to bring devastation. Habakkuk here now, as he is writing this out, is actually writing a couple decades before these events take place. So kind of you can put him in somewhere the range, date not exact, but somewhere in the range of maybe 18 to 30, 18 to 20, 25 years prior to these events taking place. So he's witnessing the wickedness in Judah. He is hearing what is about to take place, and yet it is a short-term delayed. So he's hearing decades before these events take place. Nevertheless, the surety of the events couldn't be made more clear. God says to Habakkuk in chapter 2, verse 3. If you have your text, you can see it there. Chapter 2, verse 3. I might as well start in verse 2. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow to you, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So here you have, again, Habakkuk now, knowing for absolute certainty that Babylon is coming to destroy Jerusalem. If you think it's slow, wait for it. It's coming. After hearing, then you go through chapter 2, and you kind of find your way to chapter 3, where he prays in response to the vision that he's having. And this is kind of where we're going into chapter 3. That is, after Habakkuk hears the gory details of what is going to happen to his people, what is going to happen to Jerusalem. During the Babylonian siege that is coming, Habakkuk states this in chapter 3, verse 16. 
Look at what he says after the gory details are made known to him. Verse 16. I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. As he looks into the future, he says, Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. If we were to kind of take what he is saying here about his experience physiologically in response to hearing what is about to happen in 586 at the destruction of Jerusalem, we would simply say perhaps it is a picture of fear-induced adrenaline. Have you ever had one of those experiences? You know, you, you thought maybe people with children, parents, that's what you're called, parents, uh, it, it, maybe you've had one of those moments somebody takes a, a, a quick fall or you hear something and then you, you get that spritz or that burst of adrenaline and then you're nervous and it takes you a few minutes to come down from that. Your heart is, is pounding and thinking, oh my goodness. Or maybe you're about to pull out in traffic. Somebody slams on the brakes and you didn't see him at the last minute and then you're left like you pull over and you kind of have those trembling feelings. That, that physiological change, that burst of adrenaline Where clearly, as Habakkuk speaks, that's what he is experiencing physiologically in response to what is about to take place with Jerusalem. Look clearly, again, I hear, hear what? I hear what's been told me about what's about to befall Judah and Jerusalem. And as a response, my body trembles. So put yourself there in that almost, that near almost accident moment and the physiological response that your body has toward the trauma of what is about to or for you, what almost took place. My body is left standing there trembling. And then he, and then he moves. It's clear to others around me. I, I mean, my lips quiver at the sound of what I've heard. King Nebuchadnezzar, that is the king of Babylon, surrounded the city of Jerusalem just for historical purposes. He did surround the city of Jerusalem, and he besieged it for two years. As Babylon surrounded Jerusalem for two years' time, they literally starved the people into subjection. They forced just those who were supposed to be the warriors, to run and hide. Elderly ones, dashed on the rocks. Just how bad it was, biblically speaking. We have the weeping prophet back, and I don't, we don't have time this morning, but uh, the 52nd chapter of Jeremiah records is essentially a composition of five poems put together before it occurs. Let me clarify, for as Habakkuk is sitting here looking forward about what Habakkuk already told would happen, in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 1, Jeremiah's response to witnessing what occurred, he says, My is. People of God will forget what happiness even is. It'll be so bad. I want to draw your attention to Habakkuk's response said is so terrible, I can't even remember what should not blossom. 
Now, remember, remember where he is. Family. It's going to happen to your friends. It's going to happen to the t- Nor fruit beyond the vines. Be no herd in the stalls. He makes my feet like the deer's. I start with a rather obvious statement. Strategies and and getting out from underneath that burden that's weighing us down. It's not necessarily of difficulty that we're after. The proper orientations. But it's the presence of difficulty. And reorient ourselves to the center of gravity. It's, I'll get out of it. He says, although all, in the list of verse 17, literally everything is gone. And when we look at Jeremiah and we read the horror stories of the Babylonian siege in Jeremiah, right? The, 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 the sustenance of you and your family was tied to your land and agricultural society. Your Put yourself in a place where your only option without a safety net, you them. As goes our yields are yielding no food. The flock will be cut off from the fold. There will be no herd oil. Over into our context, into our situation, it would be as if we said this to the people who lose their jobs, lose their incomes, and so forth. That's just it. You either get it or you don't. With an adrenaline burst, his lips are quivering, and he's hearing this oracle, and he sees we're going to have no inks then. There's no money for our groceries. Historically speaking, society. Certainly the little ones and the elderly. Look at Lamentations if you can. It's, it's, it's poetic, and is it a, a way in which a lot of these things are just being told us, but they didn't actually occur. I just want us to see hardship. Look at Lamentations chapter 2. I want to read for you. Put yourself there with weeping. My stomach churns. Have you ever had that sense of just things are because of the destruction of the daughter of my people? And look, they're dying. And he's weeping and his stomach churns. Their life is poured out on their mother's bosom, dying in their mother's hands. Back over to Habakkuk if you could. Else could go wrong. What else? If there's no thing go wrong. We're bereft of everything. Have you ever felt your own personal life being besieged? But I feel like the more I try, the deeper I get. To put it in maybe our experiences, nonetheless, enough time, many dominoes just continue to fall. You want to run ahead in the line and separate the dominoes. <laughs> what else could go wrong with this situation, that situation, this conversation, and these people's and that people's relationship? The vulnerability that comes with it, no one seeks and no one enjoys. Frustration of all of that in your providence, pressures begin to mount. What better? I'm a failure. I'm worried. I'm frustrated. My spouse is frustrated. Again and again, to these difficult moments, to these difficult days that each of us, Bacchic 318, 
Notice what he says. Connect ourselves from the story and think this is an oversimplification of life's circumstances and difficult promise that is there for you, that is there for me. Again, we're not seeking to be a people's that our best day is when we get out. Yet, so from 17, although life is like, I will take joy, Adam, me, Adam, this text, speak to me, Adam makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Is it that you will rejoice in the Lord in such despair? I think he explains how in four important ways. They're great, and I hope to provide that to you. He says how in four ways, that, or some, even in places of despair. Number one, God is present. He knows it is coming. Be sure it is coming. If, if it seems delayed, wait for it. it. God will be get there. How do we exactly for sure? In verse 18, notice, yet, notice a carefully one of rejoicing in the Lord. I will take joy because God will be there to supply him with a care. How do you know you're going to rejoice in those days? need to read this morning and say, I just wish I had the willpower of Hebes. Our people will be decimated. I, w- I cannot encourage you enough to look at this text so clearly, thinking, why was First Peter written? What was the occasion of First Peter? The occasion, this in chapter 5, verse 7, cast your anxiety on him. What worries you? What, what? Peter says, Cast that will be present to provide moments of rejoicing and nourishment of soul. So greatly strengthened. Number two, the second statement of how he strength. Look at verse 19. So he knows that implied in that statement, I want to draw your attention, other supports. What is in that song, Cornerstone? That, that, that's the sources upon which you rely for deliverance must be utterly rejected. That includes all other supports. He will go forward. I will find a way. I will get... That means, please hear me clearly. All kind of gets distorted, how we feel, then we begin to act in accordance with how we feel, and before you know it, we've deliverers. Habakkuk says, challenge, tribulation, and trial. Number two, God is the source of my strength. Uh, You notice that in verse 19, he makes, and that's a critical piece there, his makes, me like the feet, my feet like deers. If, If you were to kind of Habakkuk in difficulty, in such a way as to endure. Have you ever seen those pictures? Maybe on like uh, uh, different animal channels or different things. You think, surely they're all going to die. And they prevail. There's no way we could do it. The point that Habakkuk says, but God makes me fourthly. He designs me for endurance. So when I just need to not rely on all other things I'm predisposed towards using for my support. Believers at Redeemer can rejoice in their present circumstances and difficulty. No matter what, he will advance my life 
boldness. Concept of overcoming. He equips me for endurance by designing my feet in such a I'm in dangerous territory, such as a high place with no cover. A place of, in other words, high places are places of risk. Our endurance and our hope that whatever is to come in our lives, He is the God. If I could encourage you with one last word, it is simply this, which is God and God alone. Please prayerfully consider other supports in your life that we might find encouragement in difficulty that we might have hope in your great willing and provisionary to us. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you. That you have heard, I invite the worship team, they come forward in just a moment.